0: Welcome to Passion and Hustle Podcast, a platform for fresh and honest stories from successful entrepreneurs, self driven freelancers, and motivated individuals that are here to help encourage you to hustle and turn your passion project into reality. In today's episode, we're excited to welcome an entrepreneur who has changed the way we view ready meals. Deriving from a passion for health and fitness, our guest has found a way of fueling those gym goers who don't always have time to meal prep efficiently. Focusing on high protein, macro friendly meals, the Gym Kitchen is a must-have brand for any health-conscious individual who is living and working in today's ever more fast-paced society. Today's episode will be hosted by myself, Alex Jones, so without any more suspense, we would love to welcome Shegan Akamoliola. Welcome Shegan. how are you doing? I'm good, thanks man, how are you? Great intro, love it, love it. <laughs> nice, nice, well thank you so much for joining us. Um, so to kick things straight off a little bit, do you mind just explaining a little bit what The Gym Kitchen is and how you're journey's been leading up to starting your
1: company? Yeah yeah of course cool. absolutely so my name's Shagan At Moliola founder of the Gym Kitchen of course um, and I started off actually working within beauty so I was working at companies like Coty, John Frieda, Revlon and I was selling makeup and hair care and skincare to, to different retailers like Tesco, Boots etc. Um, I got a little bit bored of doing that and I actually wanted to go into food and drink um, so I went to go and work for a small startup, um, an Australian breakfast drink company and just had so much fun there. But whilst I was in beauty, um, such an avid gym goer, you know, I, I just loved it. Um, just loved everything that it did for my mental health, et cetera. But one of the challenges that I simply had was the fact that meal prep wasn't as easily accessible within mainstream retail as it should be. You know, you walk down the retail fixture and you go, well, wait a minute, why isn't there a, a meal that says gym or fitness or health on it that actually sticks to those credentials? Um, so just went on this long journey of, of trying to create it myself and um, spent a good three years trying and pushing um, to, to get it out there. But but that's almost like the long story short. And I'm sure you're going to ask a lot more questions about it.
0: <laughs> for sure, for sure. But I mean, so my kind of first question on that is, did it derive from a passion for cooking or was it more a passion for easy meal prep it wasn't necessarily cooking but more just like efficiency
1: yeah so for me it was definitely about the efficiency it was about me being a young professional working in London not having time to cook but wanting something that was nutritious something that was healthy something that was quick and something that was really reasonably priced you know not the richest individuals in the the world you know in in London everything's expensive so actually why wasn't there anything that was cheap or cheaper than the alternatives
0: For sure, for sure. That's definitely um, recognising a gap in the market of something that you would want yourself, um, which is obviously very entrepreneurial. And would you say that growing up, you always had that entrepreneurial drive?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Do you know what? So growing up in school, I was literally your typical, I could buy and sell different products. You know, if it was sweets you were looking for, if it was, you know, crisps you were looking for, if there was a unique product that was out there that you were looking for, I was always able somehow to get my hands on it. And we grew up in an area that was very, very deprived, you know, so everybody was an absolute hustler. That was the only way that you could get by, really. So I did have that entrepreneurial streak within me. But when I went to go and start working for some of the corporate companies, I almost felt like I lost a little bit of that. So it was almost great to actually follow the passion on the entrepreneurial way and and just absolutely love it from there. Wicked, man. I'm laughing because that's the exact same as me.
0: When I was at school, I used to go to school with two, two school bears, one with my books and stuff, and the other was sweet and chalky. And yeah, I'd just be selling on the school bus. So I was that guy as well.
1: <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, that's how that's how entrepreneurs are born, really, aren't they? For sure, man, for sure. Um,
0: so what's your journey with the gym kitchen been like up until this point? And how far do you want the business to go?
1: Yeah, so in terms of the journey towards this point, right? So We've had what I would say has been a challenging, but also a very, very good launch. So I spent probably, so I trademarked the brand in 2016, um, April 2016, still remember it. I was like, Gin Kitchen, fantastic name. Let's just get this down. Let's get it, you know, kind of sorted out. Then no one can take it in the future. Trademarked it in 2016, but we only actually launched in January of 2020. So during those four years, it was Trying to find the right product product category and and you know, when I spoke about I was stood at a Ready Mills fixture, going, where is the healthy alternative? Um, that was that was the key part. But for me, because it took so long, I was like, okay, now it's, it's a massive relief to almost land on shelves. You know, we landed into some as the stores as a bit of a test and it did really, really well. But in terms of challenges we've had, three months later, the whole world goes into lockdown something that we've I've never seen you know no one's really ever seen and lived through anything like this that that's my age or that's just started a business so I was extremely worried because of that four years of hard work to launch on shelf. we ended up coming off of shelf for a little bit simply because the supply chain was extremely overwhelmed people were buying toilet roll and eggs and all sorts of things that they probably didn't need you know a lot of a lot of banana bread making in the end. <laughs> and then after that, you know, we, we start to think, okay, things are going to smooth out a little bit, but we go straight into this cost of living crisis. And obviously where you're in a cost of living crisis, it's um, inflation, ingredients, prices are going up. Everything's going up, but the customer's pockets aren't increasing. They are actually decreasing. They're having to think a lot more about what they buy. But the great thing amongst all of the challenges that we've had is we've created a really solid brand We've got some strong backing from the retailers and we've got customers that just absolutely love us for their convenience um, and will continue to buy us even through this. So for me, it is great that we've been able to get through this and really it's about the other side looking super bright when we do eventually get there. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, obviously
0: no one could predict the pandemic happening and we've had many people on the podcast and many of them have said that the last two years has been, has come with unexpected challenges um so yeah it's fantastic to hear that you're just working through it and it's not you know put you off or stop when you took your products off the shelves it never it didn't mean that you shut down the gym kitchen it just meant that you had to maybe pivot a little bit and
1: just change the direction in which you were going absolutely and you know what so even within that we we decided to take some risks so whilst and they they didn't pay off but we still decided to keep it going somehow so whilst we came off the shelves we decided actually we were going to work with a small manufacturer on some protein powders. Um, we launched those protein powders. They really didn't do too well. It was the wrong thing for us to do at that time, particularly because we didn't have you know, a lot of subscribers. We were only three months old, really, to, in the consumer's eyes. Um, so we end up losing money doing that. But for me, it was at least we were trying to do the right thing and keep it going and keep having something to talk about um, and yeah, keep keep on pushing. And eventually we we were back on the shelves in no time. We'd removed our protein powders, etc. But we will bring them back because, um, and this was us doing direct to consumer. So but we will bring them back and we will bring, you know, kind of the mill replacement type products back as well. Um, because there's, there's a big market for them. And now we're, we've, we're more established as a brand. So uh, yeah, so much to go after most definitely.
0: Definitely. And I think ultimately, when starting a business, a lot of it's trial and error. So perhaps not necessarily a protein powder was a failure, but maybe it just wasn't the right time. So now you've learned that, that once you can grow and evolve and maybe bring it back, it will it'll be more successful. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's talk about the gym a little bit, because obviously the gym is important to you. It's important to a lot of people. Um, for me, it's particularly important because I feel like working from home often means at the end of the day I have all this built-up energy that I need to release, and therefore my workouts have been good. I've been I've been enjoying it. Um, but how important would you say fitting the gym into your daily routine is, and how do you find a good work-life balance in
1: general? Yeah, so so for me, the gym played such an important role just in my life in general. So we grew up um, in East London um, in a place called Forest Gate. Uh, me, me, and my friends and like I said before, it was a deprived area. There was so much crime and so, so many things happening that, you know, kind of people will be like, wow, this, that's crazy to hear some of those stories. Um, but one place we had, which was almost like a bit of a safe haven, was the gym. So we were like these 17-year-olds, just 16, 17, going into the gym, working out, having an absolute laugh. You know, there was like good five, six, seven of us. All of us would just go there on our bikes and just just love it. And, and ever since then, you know, it's kind of always played a part. You know, you, you have peaks and troughs, really. So, you know, sometimes you're really, really into it. Sometimes you're not. But for me, it still plays an important role. Um, I've injured my hand at the minute. So that's proving difficult for me to actually go in and lift weights. But I'm, I'm seeking the gym in other ways, you know, in terms of sport and football and tennis-ish um, type things and, and all that kind of stuff, really. So, but yeah, the, the role it plays in terms of mental health, in terms of you know kind of escapism um just in in you know health in general in, in being a better you that's a lot of what we talk about within the gym kitchen and in the gym kitchen credentials on we want you to be better versions of yourself and obviously that can be done by going to the gym and working out but also by the food you eat as well definitely and to be honest i'm a massive advocate for going to the gym i'm
0: not the biggest guy at all but For me, I think the gym is more about mental strength because I just feel like going to the gym makes me feel better as a person. And secondary to that, it's looking better. But I think with a lot of lads who may be a bit similar to me often think that, oh, I'm not big enough to go to the gym and there's this pressure that you need to be big. But I'm always here saying that it's not even about that. It's just about feeling better. And then once you're feeling better, you're more confident. And the positive things that come from that um, are all just from going to the gym and just keeping active and keeping healthy so yeah
1: yeah and, and you know what i to- totally agree with you and I'm, I'm glad that you're you're saying that same thing right because i'd say maybe 10 years ago the gym was just about you know arnie arnie looking guys it's about muscles veins popping out but actually it's it's it shouldn't be about that it should actually be about the individual's specific goals and what they want to achieve over a certain period of time whether that's losing weight whether that's building muscle whether that's just maintenance you, do you know what i mean like you should yeah. as a as a whole the, the whole fitness and kind of health industry needs to actually focus more on catering to everybody's needs as opposed to these specific specific type needs and it's it's good to actually see you know different types of gyms start to pop up as well you know you look at the gym group and it's a mainstream accessible gym you look at somewhere like david lloyd you know then it it's not just the gym it's about swimming it's about food it's about um you know, kind of sports as well. So there's there's those different spectrums. And then you've got CrossFit, which is super functional, um, you know, kind of high intensity type thing. So it's good to see that the world of gyms has started to change qu- quite a bit really. hundred percent. Yeah, I couldn't agree more.
0: I, I really think that a gym is is for everybody and yeah, and no, there is no pressure to to be lifting as big as the guy next to you or, or whatever. You just just go and do you and improve yourself. Um and it's a vital part of part of living really. And exactly, but kind of talking about uh, social media is often a powerful tool for small businesses to grow. And I know many brands in the health and fitness sector would use influencers to grow their following. Would this be a route that you've ever considered for your products?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So you talk about social media. Every, everybody talks about social media being good and bad um, in the same right. You know, sometimes you get people on there that aren't saying the right things, but but you, it's a great place to build. A community to build an audience. And what I call the Gym Kitchen followers is the Gym Kitchen community. They've helped me build this. So to give you some context, you know, I talk about going back to 2016. So between 2016 and 2020, really involved in the fitness community, what I would tend to do is go and meet up with influencers. I'd ask them, you know, are you facing the same struggles and the same battles that I am in terms of trying to find nutritious, delicious, healthy meals at affordable prices in mainstream supermarkets? And the answers that came back were yes, 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 yes. And it was almost like they, they kind of followed me on the journey and followed my story in, wow, there's a guy that's actually out there in this fast-moving consumer goods world that really wants to try and launch something into retail. So eventually when he gets there, we're going to have to support him because this is something that we need. So so straight from there, we really got the backing of like loads of influencers. Um, we work on different kinds of partnerships. So whether it's, um, uh, you know, giveaways, paid, whether it's, um, you know, kind of uh, competitions, um, user generated content from the, those kind of creators. There are so many different ways that you can work with influencers in that community. But I would say that that's pretty much how we built this brand. We built it with those guys. With, and then that coupled with the backing of the retailers has enabled us to just get get out there. And when you, when you also talk about influencers, it's not just social. I know these are social media sites, but there are actually Facebook groups and workout groups. And there's a whole different world where actually your customers become advocates of your brand. So they're not even, you know, what you'd consider an influencer, uh, a 20,000 20,000 followers, etc. That's what you'd call an influencer. But you might have someone on there that's, you know, got a thousand followers that is a personal trainer that then personal trains like 30 people and they spread the word to those 30 and those 30 then spread the word onwards. And, you know, there are slimming and um, weight loss groups and we're being featured in these groups and people are talking about us. So the influ- the whole influencer sphere goes so wild and so you know, it's kind of so broad that it's unbelievable and it's worked really, really well for us, for, for sure. Awesome, yeah, no, there's definitely is an influencer doesn't necessarily have to be all beautiful,
0: made up and just really high profile. It is, yeah, it can, anybody really who's promoting your product, more like an ambassador, I, I suppose, these kind of people you're talking about.
1: Yeah, yeah, and you know what, that's a great, great word to use for it as well. They're, they're ambas- ambassadors. Um, not many people like to even be called influencers because of obviously the connotations of what mm. people have seen influencers are just a money grabbing kind of thing. Whereas it's not that at all. This is, yeah, this is ambassadors, but they are customers. They are our customers. They just love our brand and they want our brand to succeed. And I think a lot of people know and understand that when you're on the supermarket shelves, your products absolutely have to sell. And if they don't, it's highly likely they'll come off. And if this is a product that somebody likes, why would they not share and spread the word so that the product stays on shelf? That's what customers are doing for us.
0: So talking about um, the actual food itself, how did you go about developing the variety of recipes and how often do you introduce a new recipe
1: to your product list? Yeah, so so initially what, what we decided to do, right, was we got some a nutritionist to work with us. To create some um, almost like a kitchen type samples. Um, so then I, I took those kitchen samples to a meeting with a retailer. And at the end of the re- at the end of the meeting, um, I asked the retailer, you know, do you have a specific manufacturing partner that you'd you know you'd recommend that we work with? Because what you'd quickly realize within fast moving consumer goods is you actually cannot just create products at home, uh, you know, on a small scale and just take them in and, you know, try and launch them on shelf because there are so many, you know, kind of rules, regulations, accreditations that you need. So gladly this retailer said, actually, yep, speak to these guys. So I went, um, spoke to them and they turned out to be a, you know, a really big manufacturer that were, you know, on board on the journey. They understood the power of potential brands, but they also just understood that, you know, our, the story was actually extremely believable in how can we work together to drive growth back into the health category again? Um, you know, gone are the days of um, not gone are the days, but you know, Weight Watchers and Slimming World, etc. They, they, they cater to a specific audience. So what we then did end up working with them. Um, they have in-house chefs, um, who work on new product development. So work really, really closely with them. And then, um, yeah, we came up with some some really really cool flavors. The whole premise of it was let's take mainstream flavors or flavors that customers know, recognize, and love, and actually make them healthier. Um, You know, so not necessarily have a traditional, you know, chicken tikka and rice, you know, we're going to go lentils, brown rice, quinoa, etc. And make it a little bit different, but also super tasty. And the tasting was the, the most important thing to me, was how can we make healthy eating tasty um so yeah so that that's how we got to that in terms of and that's how we work with uh, on recipes in terms of how often we bring something new out so because we're a retail brand right now uh, when i say retail brand we're sold in retailers um they have specific windows um as to when you can launch a new product so they call them ranging windows and these tend to happen you know two times a year three times at max um where they can change things in, in store So what we'd end up doing is we'd end up working on a plan, you know, kind of um, six to eight months out of that ranging window and then trying to launch some of the new products. So, you know, this year we've launched probably like eight new products um, across the different categories type thing. Um, And yeah, but we're always pushing to to create new flavors. Obviously, there's always going to be those best sellers, which will always stay. But yeah, for me, it's about creating new and exciting flavours all the time. And if, if it was up to me, I'd be trying to launch a new flavour every single month. Awesome, awesome. No, I think that's wicked to hear because
0: also with like gym goers food, there's this idea that it needs to be chicken, rice and broccoli only, you know. And like, obviously, you don't need to just have bland and boring food. You can eat healthy, eat well, and it'd be tasty at the same time. So brilliant. Absolutely. But um, since starting a business, would you say there are any skills that
1: you have developed that you didn't know you originally possessed? Oh, skills I developed that I didn't know I possessed. So I guess it's um, one of them is simply resilience. Right. And um, that that almost that skill to just keep on going and keep on going. And that is 100 percent something that I um, I didn't know that I had in me as much as I do now because there are so many setbacks in business um, probably more setbacks than there are you know celebrations um and that is something that you you need to be on top of um but in terms of skills so I, I then try and flip the question a little bit and say are there skills that I've enhanced skills that I've enhanced are you know kind of the relationship management um you know working with we work with four different manufacturers you know all of those manufacturers are different. They have different requirements, different ways of working, um, but we're able to do a really, really good job. Um, management, obviously, I've got a team, so actually managing people and that is a skill that I, you know I did some of it previously, but it, it's it's not as easy as I would have thought. But we're learning, learning every single day, and it's one that's you know I'm really, really enhancing. And because it's my vision, it's it's how I then you know, get everybody to be aligned to my vision and, and, and go forward with it.
0: Definitely. And I feel like the key word there really is learning. And like I mentioned earlier, a lot of it is trial and error. So, you, you know, nobody really fully knows what they're doing as a startup at the beginning because you don't know what's around the corner. Um, so obviously, as a startup company, you need to be adaptive, responsive, and really be able to pivot easily. Um,
1: would you agree? hundred percent, hundred percent um yeah learning just learning is is everything really you need to stay up to date with what your competitors are doing what's going on in the industry um you know what kind of new products can you can you get out there um how do you like work with people of different you know kind of styles and different work ethics and you know we've got products that come from abroad and that's a whole different challenge so being flexible you know and also yeah being flexible is just one of the most important things ever because we like I said, we work with uh, manufacturers that are abroad, that are from abroad, and they work in completely different ways than the UK work. So you know you have to be flexible to to work in their ways as well to make sure that it works for both parties, kind of thing. Definitely, definitely.
0: So I feel like we've absolutely smashed through the questions, and it's been fantastic hearing about your journey starting um, starting your business, but then also your journey into the world of entrepreneurship. Um, what would your advice be to anybody who's wanting to start their own business, but perhaps is a bit on the fence?
1: Yeah, so the I guess I, I've probably a few pieces of advice, right? So the first one I always say is do something that you like, you enjoy, or you're passionate about. And the reason I say that is because when the going gets tough, if you don't enjoy it, if you don't like it, if you're not passionate about it, then it's very, very easy for you to give up because you can't see past the oh gosh, this is a this is a nightmare and this isn't going to work. Um, so I'd say that that's definitely one piece. Another piece would be learn, 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 right? Um, and I, I do say that it's easier to do something in the industry that you're currently working in and, the, and what you've got a lot of knowledge in than one that you don't. But if you do want to go into a brand new industry, learn as much about that industry as you possibly can. Because it would, it was going to make life a little bit easier. Um, for me, you know, ten years in fast-moving consumer goods at a number of different brands, um, I know exactly, you know, how to navigate my way through, you know, FMCG. Not saying that I know everything, absolutely do not, but I, I at least have seen quite a lot from different brand perspectives, big brands, small brands, etc. Um, the third thing I would say is, really, you've got a it's almost like try and find a mentor or a sponsor or a guardian angel that's been there and done it before, maybe in the same type of business that you're trying to get into. Once again, this goes hand in hand with the learning stage on, okay, if, if you can speak to somebody that's done it before or speak to people in your industry, then at least you'll get an insight into, oh, actually, this has gone wrong, but this is how you fix it, or this may not work, or this may work. Um, sometimes you do have to take you know the advice with a bit of a pinch of salt simply because someone that's been done it and it hasn't worked will give you advice about it not working as opposed to it working but um I'd say yeah that that, that mentorship thing and and yeah I, I guess they're, they're the three key things i would definitely say um a network I, I guess if I was going to add a fourth it would be networking which goes back into the mentoring um increase your network keep on building, speak to people in and out of the industry that you're trying to get into because you know, you just never know who's got a connection with who, particularly in um where money needs to be raised, et cetera. Knowing a lot more people than you know now will give you that opportunity to potentially raise a lot more money um kind of later down the line, really. Um and then obviously there are some financial ones in terms of cash flow is super important. Make sure that you you've got enough cash to to manage it. So yeah. Five five key points, but hopefully that that's super helpful. Well, for sure, that's definitely some cracking advice. To be honest, I feel like the thing that I can
0: particularly comment on there is the fact talking about passion because obviously this is the Passion and Hustle podcast. So what we really try, the message we really try and push out is that it's a combination of doing something that you love and it's a hard grind. And when both of them come together, that's when you kind of achieve success. Because if somebody who wasn't interested in gym and fitness was to start the gym kitchen, well eventually they would give up because that passion is not there so it really is uh, you have to do what you love because obviously as you've mentioned it's not it's not always an easy journey and i guess when it's going tough you need to remind yourself why is it you're actually doing it and it's the passion that reminds you to keep going absolutely that that's exactly it that's exactly it well honestly shagan it's been absolutely fantastic talking to you but one final question is um what would you say your future plans are for the gym kitchen and how far would you like the business to go
1: yeah, to be honest, I, I do think the sky is still the limit. You know, we're we're not in the likes of Sainsbury's Waitrose. Um, we're not in um, some export countries, you know, so like we're not in Europe. Um, we're only in Duns in Ireland, which is obviously in Europe, but we're not in the rest of Europe. We're not in America. You know, I, I just see this as how can we become the future of healthy eating? And sky really is the limit in it. In, you know, I'd love us to be available in as many countries as we possibly can across as many product categories as we possibly can as well. And just for me, it's all about the customer. It's it's all about offering that customer convenience, affordable, but taste as well. So if we can crack that, then, then I think we're on to something big. So hopefully we can become the future of healthy eating.
0: For sure. I mean, there's endless opportunities out there. And I think what I really love about the Tomb Kitchen personally is how um, friendly and personable the branding is. It does really feel like you're part of that gym community like you were talking about earlier.
1: Yeah. And you know what? That That is a conscious decision to make it like that. So when we first launched, you know, we almost like every brand, you know, everybody always says, if you're not embarrassed with your first kind of iteration of design or product that comes out, then you're launching too late. So I knew that, you know, this isn't perfect, but it's going to get us on shelf. And then when we got on shelf, it was about, okay, so how can we now ensure that this branding translates to, you know, loads of different categories. So in October of 2021 is when we went for a big rebrand and worked with a new design agency. And we started to introduce, you know, kind of the diversity on pack. So it's got male, it's got females, it's got black, white, you know, it, it actually talks to customers in the way that they live, um, the way that they, we're in a diverse society, you know, the colors on pack, they're all about standout, they're all about trying to be eye-catching, you know, the photography on there is all about how do we enhance taste, you know, we've got like inclusions on the side to show that this is a natural ingredient, um, we put the macros on the pack because we want you to understand that actually we've we've counted the macros for you, we've balanced them for you, um, so you, you actually don't need to go and start squinting to try and say, okay, what, how much carbs is in this then, how much fats in the pack? We make these things super clear for you because we know that that's what the customer is looking for. So our credentials, and I feel like what we've done in terms of the packaging, has just put us in good stead to to launch into newer and exciting areas and, and yeah thank you very much for your you know your kind of comments on the packaging it, it it's been a it's been a long journey to get there so it's really appreciated no worries at all because it really
0: is it's very inclusive and it's very easy and essentially that's what you want from the gym kitchen as a consumer you want to be able to feel like that anybody's welcome to get involved and that it's not difficult like it's made to be straightforward so so yeah it's absolutely brilliant um but Shailen honestly thank you so much for for chatting and joining us today it's been it's been fantastic hearing your journey um and I'm sure our audience would love to know where they could find you if they wanted to reach out and ask more questions so I just wondering if you had any social media pages you'd like to plug our listeners into
1: yeah absolutely so um at the gym kitchen is our instagram page we're on instagram we're on facebook on linkedin um all the different platforms so feel free to get in in contact in terms of purchasing some of the products we're available in asda tesco morrison's co-op um and uh as well so yeah, um, Tesco. Yeah, I think I said all of them, didn't I? As the Tesco, and Morrison's, Co-op, Acada, and Duns in Ireland. If you're an Irish listener. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, man, and speak to you soon. No worries. Thank you so much as well. Um, great to great to chat. Speak soon.
0: We hope you've enjoyed listening to Passion and Hustle podcast. If you want to find out more from the speakers or what we do here at Westminster Enterprise Network, then head over to our social media channels at underscore we network. With new episodes being released every two weeks. You'll be able to continue listening and getting inspired along your own journey of bringing your passion project to life.